Hey, this is Ken at Capital Advantage Tutoring, and it's my job to get you past the Series 63 exam, the Series 65 exam, and the Series 66. I've done a lot of videos on this stuff. We're going to do stuff on the administrator. This is, again, for all three exams, the Series 63, the Series 65, and the Series 66 exam. Now we're talking about the administrator, okay? So what is the administrator? The administrator is the regulator for the state. Each state has their own regulator. It could be a the attorney general, it could be a team, it could be a person, whatever. It's their job is to regulate all the security stuff in a given state. Now, what happens is where where do they have jurisdiction? Their jurisdiction is definitely in their state. Any securities transaction that happens in their state, unless it's exempt in certain ways, they have jurisdiction over. If it left, so if it started in the state or ended in the state, they have jurisdiction and they can do stuff. So jurisdiction just means they can act on it and they can investigate. The question comes down to when they would have jurisdiction. So let's go back a little bit and go to like, what is a transaction? So there's two things, there's an offer and a sale, okay? So they have jurisdiction over offers and sales in a given state, in their own state. So an offer is the attempt. It's like a, if you put out a newspaper article saying, hey, buy this security, which nobody does, or I call you or email you or I text you or I message you and I say, this is a good security. I'm making an offer for you to buy shares. That is an offer. So let's go into it. So again, let me add one thing to this. If you have a newspaper, this is interesting. So if you have a newspaper and you put an ad in the newspaper to, you know, to get people to buy stocks, that's an offer. But there's some, there's some things. So it's basically only in the state where it's published. Also, if more than two-thirds, this is always gets people, if more than two-thirds of the readership are outside the state, then it's not an offer even there. So example is like the New York Times. The New York Times is published in New York, really Jersey, but New York. Um, and there's people who read it all over the world. So more than two-thirds of the readers are not in New York. So then it's not even an offer in New York. So that will be exempt from being an offer. And that works out to the whole thing. If somebody buys shares is considered unsolicited, you don't have to, you don't have an offer and a sale, then there are some exemptions with that. But again, an offer is the attempt, the sale is the transaction. Now, let's talk about what wouldn't be an offer. And then we'll go back into what would and wouldn't be. So what's not an offer and a sale? If I give you a gift, right? So if I give you shares, like IBM, Costco, you know, Amazon, whatever it is, and I give it to you, just hand it to you. Hey, why would do that? I don't know, but I give you the shares. That's a gift. That's not an offer and a sale. There's no jurisdiction there because nothing happened. If the here's where it gets a little crazy. If I give you a gift of a gift of what they call an accessible security. So Costco, Amazon, or they're called non-accessible securities. Pretty much every security out there is non-accessible now. An accessible security means they can ask you for more money. In my mind, I think limited partnerships are, but they disagree. But whatever, I have to go with them. So if I give you shares of an accessible security which means they can ask you for more money. That would be an offer and a sale because they can ask you for more money. Because think about this way. If I give you shares of IBM, literally, even if it goes to zero, you don't lose anything because you didn't spend anything. But if it's an accessible security, they can ask you to fork over some dough and not be an offer and a sale. Rights and warrants, the exercise of them would be considered an offer and a sale because you're spending money to buy more shares. Okay. Um, what's not? Let's go back and forth. So if I, if I use my shares as a pledge for a loan, that's not an offer and a sale because it's just an, it's just a pledge putting it behind. Like um, if I'm going to go buy a boat, I'm going to say, listen, I want to borrow 50 grand. Let me put down my shares as collateral for the loan. That's not an offer and a sale. That's what they call bona fide pledge. Now, bona fide, some people say bona fide. 
I think they're kidding. But bona fide just means real, like a real pledge, like an actual thing. Like when they say acting as a market maker, bona fide market making activities, that means they're acting in, the, in their capacity. Just they're doing their, it's real. Let's add in stock dividends, cash dividends, mergers. Those are not considered offers and sales because you stock splits, because you're not getting more stuff. You're just taking your shares and splitting them. You're getting more shares, but they're worthless. So there's no advantage. There's nothing in there. Now, when does an offer fall under the jurisdiction of an administrator? When it either originated, directed, or received in a state. Now, I think three states can do it. They're not going to do it on the test, which is fine. So I think, in the, my interpretation, it could be wrong. I'm an idiot. Um, let's start with this one. If I call you from New, if I call from New Jersey into California, that is originated in Jersey, directed to California. If they accept it in California, New Jersey and California have jurisdiction. Good. And I probably have to be registered in both and the security because that's probably where the person lives. Now, let's say I'm in New Jersey and I call in California, but you're actually in Vegas on a bender. Cokefield Rampage, right? And I actually get you there. I call you in Nevada and, I, and you accept and you say, yes, I'll buy the shares. Because remember, if they don't say yes, really there's no crime, right? So they don't have jurisdiction. The administrator would not have jurisdiction unless something happened. So you're in Nevada. I call you. In California, I get you in Nevada. You say yes. All three states should have jurisdiction. Now, so I think Kaplan disagrees with that or STC does. But again, I'm reading it. They're never going to do the three-state question. I'm just showing it as an example. Now, if you're in Nevada and you accept it, but you don't live there, they have all three have jurisdiction. But you don't have to. Reg I don't have to be registered in Nevada because you're only temp it's temporary residency, right? If you're not living there, you're just kind of coming through to have a wild weekend. Then that's temporary residency. You won't have to be. I won't have to be registered in the state to deal with you. But this. Um, but the security might be. If, if the security would have to be registered there, I may not. But again, the administrator would have jurisdiction over that trade. And what that means is they literally they can they can see they can issue a cease and desist, they can revoke, they can inspect. So if they think something's wrong, they have the right to inspect even outside their state, right? So they have jurisdiction inside their state. But if you're registered in the state or you did something that touched their state, then they can inv inspect wherever you are. So they can go outside the state to get stuff that happened inside their state. Does that make sense? I hope it does. If it doesn't, let me know. No, it does. Good. Now, pretty much when, if you ever see registering a state, they mean registering with the administrator, which is registering with the state. So they can accept it. Usually if, if, for the professionals, agents, um, broker dealers and stuff, you apply and they can't, they can deny you for certain things, but they cannot deny you for lack of experience. They can deny you for lack of knowledge. That's where you're taking the stupid test, right? But they cannot deny you for lack of experience unless it's with other things like lack of knowledge, failure to supervise, some other problem. So they can suspend, deny, revoke, bar you from working, okay? They can do that, but they can't They can't really sue you. So they don't sue you. You're just subject to civil liability if you do something wrong. So what are some of the reasons they can deny your application? If it's misleading, or incomplete, um, if there's any kind of material omissions, if you don't pay your fees, if you're suspended in another state, it's not were suspended, are suspended. If you've been found to have violated any federal, state, or securities or commodities laws, those would cause you to be denied. Now, another state denying you, a state can use that denial to deny you. Okay. Also, if you want, you can maybe get an exemption or ex exclusion. But remember something. 
to be exempt, you have to be eligible to register. So if the administrator is going to grant you an exemption, you have to be eligible to register, like not a problem, not statutory disqualification or anything, to be able to be registered. Now, statutory disqualification is another one. If you've been found guilty of any felony, any felony, or a misdemeanor that meets kind of the rules of taking of money, bribery, securities-related, ethical stuff, not like a bar fight they don't care about, or DUI. We care about DUIs, but we don't really. If those if you ha those happen in the last 10 years, then they, can they will deny you under statutory disqualification. Can you appeal it? Of course you can, but that as far as we're go, you're not getting it. Now, it says if the registrant's bankrupt. So if you're insolvent, they can deny you. But here's my thing. And the books try to say you can do it to a person. They say registrant, so they don't really say that an individual isn't covered. But think about this. You as an individual can't actually be bankrupt. You can get bankruptcy protection, but you're still a human being. You're still working. I think if you filed a bankruptcy in the last year or two, they'd probably be hard to get a job, first of all. But not impossible. It'd be disclosed. But if it's a firm and they're insolvent, done. They're not working. And if even if their main office is another state, you can deny them or revoke them in your state. If the administrator, the administrator can absolutely revoke a broker dealer or IA's registration if they find out they're insolvent slash bankrupt. I they say the registrant, which could mean the individual. So I guess the rule is there. I don't think they're going to test it because technically, you as an individual cannot be bankrupt. You can get bankruptcy protection. But you're not bankrupt. You're still a human being. You're not a nothing anymore. One thing that pops up is that if you have a broker dealer or an IA trying to register in the state, the administrator can deny them for lack of experience or lack of training. Like you can't be denied for lack of experience as a human being. But if the firm is, if they don't have anyone there who has enough experience to run the firm, they can say, listen, you don't have enough supervision. Or if they're if they've been found to have a failure to supervise, that's a big one. It sounds like it's not a big deal, but it actually is a big deal. Failure to supervise is a principal who failed to do his duties and protect the investors. Now, as the administrator, they can suspend, deny, revoke. But what they'll do is they'll suspend your registration and then say, listen, you can apply for a hearing and be heard. They if you and If you request it, then they have to give it to you within 15 days of your request. If you, you have 60 days from when it happens to, to request a hearing, once you request it, they have 15 days to give it to you. But this is not like the NFL where you get to, get to play while you're appealing, right? Like Tom Brady. Um, this is, you're not working until this is fixed. And there's the thing. The administrator revokes you, and then you're appealing back to the administrator. Yeah, just like the NFL. Roger Goodell suspends you, and you appeal to Roger Goodell to get it lifted. And what's the chances of that? Now, remember something. When, and when a broker-dealer or an IA registers, the partners, officers, directors, the principals are automatically registered. They don't get a free pass. They're just registered as a bulk application. So the, the firm can, act, the administrator can actually deny the application of like a single partner. That happened to us. I was at a firm. We registered in Nevada and we got it fixed, but we reg registered in Nevada. They kicked back and it said our CEO was not allowed to register in the state. It's something he did like 15 years ago. And so they said no. So we registered with that with a carve out, like he couldn't be registered there, which wasn't a big deal. So he couldn't collect any money on overrides from people in that state. We did get it fixed and we got it lifted, but they can do that. And we that's that's why sometimes the stuff I tell you, I know this better than most because I've had to deal with this crap. I've dealt with, I've literally dealt with administrators from every state. Like I know Connecticut, Jack Horn, unless he retired, he's pretty good. And the one in California takes forever. Minnesota takes the entire 30 days. But then you have like, I was 
I had to register my firm in one of the U.S. Virgin Islands. I forget what it was. Um, Synchron. Um, <clears throat> I called up and said, what do I do? She goes, fax it to me. Back when faxes were a thing. Late 90s. I faxed it to her. Um, she said, okay, hold on. Okay, you're registered. She literally, she was the mayor, the governor, and the administrator. All It's a smaller country, right? So, uh, or territory. So it wasn't a big deal, but she did it. She did it same day. She said, yeah, we got all your information. Fine. It's easy. You're in, you're registered. We didn't have to wait 30 days. So they don't have to take the whole 30 days. They can if they want, but they don't have to. And here's the thing. Again, I might've said it already. If you don't hear from them within 30 days, you're registered. By the way, don't forget to like, subscribe, like, and share this stuff. Now I say that now because nobody does it anyway, but What's interesting, it says that if you say that, the little things light up. Let me know if it does. It'd be interesting. Now, remember, the administrator has what they call inspectorial powers. So they can inspect your firm and, and, and come in and do an exam anytime they want. They don't have to give you warning. There's no warning required, no 24 hours, anytime they want. And they can also issue subpoenas. Remember that. I saw a question on that. They don't need a court order or anything. They can issue subpoenas on their own. What's a subpoena? A subpoena is a request for information, either for you to show up in person or to supply some sort of supply some sort of documentation. That's a subpoena. A subpoena is either a request for information, either you show up and testify, or you send documents that we requested. Now we can also issue the administrator can also issue a cease and desist. A cease and desist is basically the administrator demanding that you stop doing. But here's the problem: there's no real bite. There's nothing they can do about it. Okay. So if you say, fuck you, Ken doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm going to keep doing it because he has nothing there. That's fine. Then I, as administrator, would then go to the courts and get an injunction. Remember, I can't file an injunction or get and join you, but the court can. So an injunction is basically a order to stop or you're getting in trouble. So I would go to the court, say, listen, these guys aren't listening. Those jackass, Dewey Cheatham and Howe is not listening to me. I would go to them and say, I need an injunction. They would decide yes or no. And then they would let us have it. Okay. They would file an injunction. And that means if the if the broker dealer or IA or agent continues to still work, they're subject to possible contempt of court and jail time. So I, as administrator, I can't put them in jail. I can't do criminal stuff. I can do as the administrator, I can do civil and I can refer the criminal to the courts, but I can't do the criminal or injunctions big time. Now there's two other ways to leave the state. There's a withdrawal, you pull out on your own. Leave that alone. Um they pull out. And they just, I keep saying that, but they're withdrawing and they a broker dealer would file a BDW or, or an advisor would file an ADVW, but it'd be a partial because if they're leaving, shutting down their firm, it'd be an ADVW or a BDW. But if they're just leaving a, a state, one state versus the 20 they're in, it's a partial BDW or a partial ADVW and an IAR or an agent would be a U5. So if they withdraw out of the state, they can, like, I remember when I was maybe 10 years, no. Yeah, 10 years ago, 2003, 2013 or so. Um, the firm we in, Ohio had a very strict rule of what an institution is. And if you remember, if you are if you have no office, no retail, you don't have to register, right? No office, no retail, no register. But Ohio's definition of institution was strictly banks and broker-dealers, nothing else. So we had a couple of hedge funds in there. We actually had, I think, Pepsi was our client. So they didn't meet the definition of institution, and they had to, um, they had to be registered. And then right around, I think I was there for about a year, right before I left, um, October, I remember it was October. Ohio changed the rule to say we're expanding it to banks, broker dealers, hedge funds, money managers, big institutions, more than a certain amount of money. So we go, good. So all of our clients are covered. So we did a partial BDW to put, and I did a U5 to 
partial U5 and a partial BDW, and we went out of the state. That's fine. We just withdrew. We can always go back in. It's not punitive. Like if you get revoked or banned, then you really can't come in unless there's a reason. But if you pull out on your own and you withdraw because it's not a problem, you can always reapply if, if the need arises. Now, the other thing is a cancellation. That's non-punitive. Remember, cancellation is non-punitive. It's like if we think that you're no longer living or you're you're not out of business or you're mentally incompetent. And you can appeal that if you say, listen, I'm not dead. You think I'm dead. Like they have to reasonable search for you. If they can't find you, they issue a cancellation and they just shut you down. But again, if you can prove that you're there or come back, it's not punitive, so you're not kicked out. They're just saying, hey, listen, you're not here. Why keep your registration open? Now, remember, suspend, deny, revoke, or punitive, cancel and withdrawal are not. Now, some words that may pop up that you're like, I don't know the difference. So a law applies to everyone. So if they have laws, that applies to everyone, even if they're not professionals, like fraud, stuff like that. Anyone who commits fraud is in trouble. A rule is for a defined person. Like we have rules for broker dealers. We have rules for IAs. We have rules for agents and IARs. Those are rules, okay? They're to a specific type of person, not specific. An order is to a specific person, like to you. So an order is like you can't do work anymore or you are allowed to work or you can't do this. So in, uh, so we got laws apply to everyone. Rules are for to specific not so specific types of person, broker dealers, IAs, that could apply to all broker dealers, all IAs, stuff like that. An order is specifically to a specific firm or individual. What if you screw up and do something wrong? Well, remember, the administrator can't come after you criminal. They can refer. They can only come after you for civil stuff. Now, if you see the word willful or intentional or fraud, that's criminal. And that's the courts have, the government, the courts would have to take care of that. Now, the penalties for that, first of all, the statute of limitations, which is how long they can come after you for it, is five years for criminal. Now, the penalties for each event on so on criminal is three years in jail or and or a $5,000 fine if it's a state law. If it's federal, it's five years in jail or a $10,000 fine. So I call it the 3-5-10 rule. 3-5-10 rule. Three years in five grand or five years in 10 grand. The, the shorter one is for the state violations. The higher ones are for the federal. Now, remember, if it sounds short, well, five years is long, um, it's per event. So if you have like 10 events, it could be 50 years. Now, sometimes you do shit that's not really crime. So a purchaser of the shares has a right to do something if if you lied or you sold share securities that you shouldn't have sold, they weren't registered or you weren't registered or they were misrepresented or you, miss up, you messed up the, um, they weren't, they, like your firm wasn't registered yet. I heard about that in Hawaii. There was a firm. There's a firm that was selling shares that they got in trouble because they sold it on, on a Thursday and their registration didn't, or the securities registration didn't go through till Friday. They did the math wrong or whatever. They should have asked. And they got in trouble. I mean, they got in a lot of trouble. I mean, the, all the customers go, no, we want the shares anyway. They kept them, but they still got in trouble from the, from the administrator and the federal government a little bit. Now, if you screw up, you can offer them, basically on the civil side, you can offer them what they would have gotten if they sued you anyway. So remember, there's no such thing as punitive where they go, oh, here's five grand plus a $30,000 fine to, to punish you. They can't do that on a level. Literally, all you can get back is what you spent plus a little bit of interest and any court costs, okay? That's really what you're getting back. What it costs you plus a little bit of interest plus you including all your costs plus a little bit of interest and um, and any court, like any lawyer's costs, stuff like that. 
That's what you would get if you went to court anyway. So the, an offer of rescission is offering that to your customers. Hey, listen, I screwed up. Here's my shit. Here's, I'm going to give you your 10 grand back plus, you know, another thousand for your costs incurred plus another $500 for interest that you would have earned, like a fair interest rate. Not crazy, but you can't give back what they call opportunity cost. Opportunity cost is un, you can't, you can't figure it out. It's not quantifiable, right? So opportunity cost is like, oh, I would I would have invested in this instead of that. That's not a thing. You can't say, oh, I would have done Bitcoin at 16 grand versus, you know, invested in your thing. That's not a thing. You get back a little bit of interest plus your money back. We make you whole. And that's called an offer of rescission. So an offer of rescission is giving their money back. And they actually have 30 days to say yes or no. If they don't say yes, if they don't agree to it in the 30 days or they say no, we're good, then they lose their right to sue you. Now, that doesn't mean the administrator can't nail you, but- the, the, the customer saying, listen, I'm okay with the shares I got. I'm not going to start a trial. They're not going to make you do the math on whether it's fridge, what all that. They're not going to make you do the math on this at all. Now, one thing to add in. the statute. Remember, the statute of limitations for criminal is five years. That means they can't come after you. for After the fifth year, you're kind of free and clear. So you can just hide for somewhere. Now, on the civil side, it's a little different. So it's three years, but no more than two years after discovery. So the max is three years. So they can... Your statute of limitations is three years. So from if I screw you over, you have three years to come after me. But once you discover it, you only have two years. You can't sit on it. So you can't like call me up and say, hey, you screwed me over and then wait three years. Once you once you call me up and say, hey, Ken, you're a shithead. I don't like what you did. You now have the clock stops to two, goes down to two years and it'll never be more than three. So if you figure something out in two years and 11 months, you only have a month to do it. Or say you find out, say, it's 10 years since it happened, but you just found out last month. doesn't matter. It's too late. It'll never be more than three years. So that's a statute of limitations. Statute of limitations for civil is three years, but no more than two years after you find out discovery. And criminal is always five years. By the way, that's why record keeping for broker dealers, right? Record keeping for broker dealers and IAs. Now that's, we can talk about that. The administrator can put, they can't have, if you're covered by the federal government, which is broker dealers and federal IAs, they cannot put record keeper requirements stricter than the SEC does. But let's go into that. So broker dealers on this test, pretty much three years for everything, okay? And on the IAs, pretty much five years for everything. But anything that is with formation, like forming the company and stuff like that, is lifetime plus three. Now, why plus three years? So if you have like board minutes and stuff, they're lifetime. So the administrator shuts down. They have to keep the record for at least another three years, because that's how long the statute of limitations is. So then make sure that you keep the records. So that if somebody sues you, they go after it. Okay. That's that's literally the administrator. Okay. That's a short, it's a short little video. Um, I get I think I have one more video to do, and then we have the whole 65, 66 done. And the 63 is pretty much done now. I've covered everything you need to know for the 63. The 65 and 66, maybe one or two more things, and that's it. Okay. You all have a good night. Wash your hands, and may the force be with you.